Welcome to The Study Mix, a podcast for community college students. I'm Dr. Gwen McRae, an academic success coach, college professor, and your podcast host. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the hidden curriculum in college. The first question you may be asking is, what exactly is a hidden curriculum? It's a concept that has been important in the sociology of education for decades, and it refers to the unspoken values, behavioral expectations, structures, norms, and beliefs that are present in the context of schools and classes. The extensive scholarly literature on the topic is too big to get into in one short podcast, so I won't attempt it. Instead, what I want to do today is to list a few of these hidden curriculum lessons that often show up in community college, because one of the problems about a hidden curriculum is that some students have been prepared for it and others haven't. Those of us who didn't attend prep schools or are the first in our families to go to college may not have people in our lives who can instruct us on these hidden curriculum lessons. So in this podcast, I'm going to give you a heads up about some of the expectations and values that you may encounter. I'll divide them up into three categories, academic, institutional, and interpersonal. Okay, category one, academic. One expectation is that students already know how to study. I want to be clear that all of us know how to learn, but college education includes some assumptions about how students will approach their studies. A few examples of this are being prepared for class by doing the readings ahead of time, taking notes while reading and especially during class, using homework to learn new things, not to test what you already know. In other words, understanding that mistakes are opportunities to learn instead of signals that you're not smart. Um, Also that studying and writing are processes that are best done over a longer period of time rather than the night before the due date. Another sometimes unspoken value is for critical thinking. It's assumed that you know what this is and that you know how to do it. This is a hard one for students whose past education experiences involved a lot of memorization. I'm not saying that memorization isn't important, but it's not the end goal. The end goal is to master new knowledge well enough to be able to think critically about it. The upshot here is that not only is it okay to ask questions, it's a good thing. At the same time, there's also an expectation that you read the room in your classes, ask some questions, but don't dominate the discussion, and maybe save some of those questions for meetings with your professor outside of class. The second category is institutional lessons. First, there is a long list of resources and information that is not always made clear for students because the hidden curriculum assumes that you already know about it. For example, office hours. Your professors have them and they expect you to use them. They want you to stop by during those office hours, but they don't necessarily explain what office hours are. They just list them on the syllabus. And speaking of the syllabus, that's another really important document, but your professors don't necessarily tell you how important it is. You can often find answers to your questions by looking there first, and in fact, they expect you to look there first before you contact them to ask. 
How about your textbooks and other materials that you are probably going to need in order to succeed in your class if you have software um, or materials that you're going to use? Those are your responsibility to find whether you purchase them or rent them or borrow them. And many times students don't know that there are less expensive options, especially for textbooks, like being able to use textbooks that are on reserve in the library for a few hours at a time. Now here's another one. There are lots of academic supports that are available to you. The librarians can help you. There are tutoring centers and writing centers, computer labs with staff who can answer questions, but you have to know where to look and who to ask for help. And finally, I just want to mention GPA and academic standing and other terminology like that. Those terms are important, but they're not often defined. We won't get into all of the details right now. We may talk about it in a future podcast, but just know that those types of things are important to be able to understand what they are. Now, financial aid is another institutional area that can be really confusing. What are the different types of financial aid? What do you have to do to access them? What kinds of grades do you need to get to keep those benefits? Will you have to pay them back later? These are all really important questions, and you want to make sure that you know what you're getting into when it comes to financial aid. Also, there are so many scholarships and grants out there. That's free money. But if you don't know how to find them or how to apply for them, you can't take advantage of them. Okay, and here's one last institutional hidden lesson. Deadlines and requirements are a big deal in college. For your classes, first of all, some professors never accept any late work. How do you know? You check the syllabus. But classes aren't the only places that you'll find strict deadlines. There are deadlines for signing up for classes, for paying for classes, for being able to drop a class without having it affect your GPA. Did you know that you have to apply to graduate? During the semester when you are completing your final classes, you have to submit your application for graduation. They won't just send you the diploma because you've finished. Look for guidance on the college website and also reach out to your advisors to get a checklist of things you have to do and their deadlines. And wait, what if you don't know whether you have an advisor? That happens more often than we would like in community college. It's in your best interest to reach out, to get connected with an advisor, and then meet with that person at least once per semester. Okay. Our last category is interpersonal lessons. First, there are some expectations about how students ought to communicate with professors and college staff, specifically that emails and interactions should be professional and polite, that you should use salutations and complete sentences in your emails, that you should ask rather than demand, things like that. Now, another hidden curriculum lesson about interpersonal relationships is that part of your time at college should be spent building networking relationships and mentorships. At some point, you are going to want some specialist advice or you will need a recommendation for a job or a transfer application or a scholarship. You don't have to build close relationships with every professor you take a class with, but when you have a good rapport, Especially if it's in a class in your major, you should probably do things like talk to your professor outside of class, get their feedback on your future education or career plans, and just generally work on building a relationship with them so that if you ask them for a recommendation, 
a year or two from now, they will remember who you are and be able to provide you with an authentic, enthusiastic recommendation. And finally, I think it's important for us to talk about imposter syndrome, belonging, and code switching. Imposter syndrome is this thing that happens when you don't see yourself as a quote unquote college student. Maybe you don't see yourself in media portrayals of college students, or you don't have a lot of personal acquaintances who have been to college. And then even when people tell you that you belong here, that you deserve to be here, you may feel as though you have everyone fooled into thinking that you are capable of succeeding in college, and you worry that at any moment you will be found out and exposed as an imposter. So I'm here to tell you that you do belong in college. Now we have to admit that in this country, we have a problem with real inclusion and equity, but the way we solve that problem is by shining a light on it and making our institutions change to be more inclusive. Now, what does this have to do with code switching? Let me back up for a quick definition. Code switching is the practice of switching between languages or language variations in a conversation. And I want to make clear that I'm not an expert in code switching, either the concept or the practice, but I didn't think I could leave it out of this episode. In the context of college, code switching often means knowing when and how to use a more formal academic form of English. And let's be blunt. This is a form of English that is generally associated with the middle to upper middle classes, with English that does not have a strong regional or ethnic accent, and with whiteness. I am not suggesting that everyone should try to sound the same. Actually, there's a lot of value in pushing back against those norms, but it's helpful to understand what those unspoken expectations are. Knowledge is power. And the takeaway here is that you do belong here, you are capable, and there are a lot of us who are here to support you in your college journey. As usual, I hope you found something useful in this podcast. I know this one is a longer podcast and we have just scratched the surface on these tough issues, but we'd really love to hear what you think. So if you're so inclined, please leave us a voice message on Anchor FM. Do you have a study playlist or a favorite song that helps you get in the studying frame of mind? If you would like to share your suggestions, we'll be creating a list of study songs from our podcast listeners. And if you have any questions, send those as well. We'll have a listener Q&A episode soon. We're so glad that you've joined us for this week's Study Mix podcast. Thanks for listening and happy studying.